to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the second morning service of Sunday the 12th of February 2012, entitled The Appointment We Won't Miss, and the Bible reading is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. Here's Brother Brian Beaver. Well, good morning. That's better. Uh, wow, where do I begin? You know, there's a story in the Bible about a gentleman named Joseph. Joseph was a man who was after God's heart too. And his brothers did a wicked thing and threw him in a pit to leave him for dead. They hated his guts because he was favored of his father. And um, sold into slavery. But before you know it, because God's hands on him, Chris, he becomes second in line in Egypt. He's a servant in Potiphar's house, and he gets accused uh, wrongfully, comes out. Before you know it, his ten brothers, uh, or twelve, um, they go to Egypt because there's a famine in the land, and they're looking for something to eat. They have no idea that the brother that they had wanted to kill and see him die would be the one that would execute either judgment or be merciful to them. They come before their brother Joseph and they say, man, if he sees us, he's sure to have our head. And our daddy, thank God, is still alive, but if daddy dies because he's sick, man, he's sure to have have us killed. And Panos, his brothers come before him and they hang their head and bow themselves because they know he's going to execute judgment. They had tried to kill him. But Joseph looks at him and says, Stand up, brothers. I know you know it's me. I know it's you. And he looks at him and he makes that famous statement. He says, What you did to me, you meant it unto evil. He said, But God meant it unto good. God meant it for good. Uh, we left here March the 2nd of last year. I was home four days, and uh, we had some rest. And uh, We got in the truck, me and my son, got in the truck to go to work that next Monday morning, Chris, and, uh, and he had never, ever, Pastor, talked to me about what he was getting ready to say. And he looked at me and he said, Dad, he said, he said, of course, he came last year. And I don't know what triggered him to talk about this, but he said, you know, if, if you or somebody like Pastor Larry were to die, he said, who does y'all's funerals? I went, wow, that's a pretty good question. I said, well, I said, you know, he said, because y'all do them all. Who does y'all's? And I said, well, I said, if I died, son, there'd be some men that would come along and They'd do my homecoming. You know, they'd do my funeral. And uh, this was March the 8th. He said, uh, said, well, Dad, I'm going in the Marine Corps. And he said, if I were to die, would you do mine? 
And 19 days later, I had to do it. I hope and pray, as much as it hurts, I hope and pray none of you have to go through that. But God's grace is sufficient. I know this church loved him like your own. You've always been so gracious to my family. I thank you for allowing your pastor and his family to come. And Miss Janie, I hate you weren't there, but I know you were in heart. I'm so sorry that you could not be there. Most of you here were not there. Tyler was and Amber. You know, I, I, I gave that story to begin with because of what God gave me about a week after he died. Folks, I'll be honest with you, if I can, and I can just share with you my heart, because some of you weren't able to, uh, to, 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 to know a lot about what took place, but he did not have to suffer. Um, he probably was killed upon impact. Um, I'll be honest with you, when we drove up on the scene, I, I, Carl, I couldn't. I mean, he looked the same. He, he looked the same. But he wasn't there. And uh, I'm sorry. I just sometimes, it's good therapy for me to get this out. And I can only do this to certain churches. You just happen to be one of them, so bear with me, all right? You know, I, I never thought um, that God would give me the strength to have to call my mother and my, my daughter, but to have the strength as my wife and I are, are notified. They, they tried everything to get him out of the car. They couldn't get him out of the car. And I guess the, the hardest thing about it all, Pastor Larry, was they had to, they had to drape the car with a sheet until the coroner could come and pronounce him dead. And here my wife and I are having to sit here. All of our church, this happened 300 yards. This would be basically the wreck of the impact area happened in relation to our church would be like happening right down here at the intersection of right down here at the end of the road. It happened that close to our church. Uh, I never thought God would give me the strength, Tyler, as my wife was sitting there on the ground at my feet crying, who just lost her baby. For me to look toward heaven, moms and dads, and say, Lord, I still love you. I still believe in you. I'm going to tell you something. That can only come through the mercy and grace of our Lord. It's the only way it can go, do it. I could not do that in my own flesh. But about a week after he passed away, I wrote a poem, and I want to share it with you. I was, I was cutting some stuff in the front of the yard, and we have this little miniature rose bush, and as I was cutting it, Miss Liz, one of the thorns 
pricked my finger and it began to bleed. And I went inside and I, I wrote a poem and I entitled it, God Meant It For Good. You know, we don't understand why God does the things He does. Why does God, uh, why does God take a 17-year-old to heaven with Him when He's got His whole life ahead of Him? I, I know this, I'm so glad He came. You know, the last time we sang the song that we sang here was here. <laughs> right there. Ironically, it was I Can Only Imagine. We sang it at His funeral. Um, Malcolm, I wrote a poem. It goes like this. I, I walked into my garden to pick a lovely rose. And joy and peace and happiness was all I could suppose. But as I went to pick a bloom, a sharp pain ran through my hand. And God said, no flower for you to pick today. A thorn is what I planned. It looked like a thorn. My image was torn, but Carl God meant it for good. It caused me to mourn, but His likeness was born, for God meant it for good. It caused me some pain, but the loss has been gained, like sunshine after rain, for God meant it for good. My heart desired some comfort, some days of peace and ease, a time of quiet restfulness, some charm my soul would please. But as I searched to find my want, God sent and set a need. He said, in order to have a tender heart, it's best your heart should bleed. It looked like a thorn. My image was torn, but God meant it for good. It caused me to mourn, but His likeness was born, for God meant it for good. It caused me some pain, but the loss has been gained. Like sunshine after rain, for God meant it for good. You want to know why God took my son? That's okay. You know what? I don't know many besides Larry's family whose children have been more over the cross in this world and seen more places and stepped on foreign soil more than the Curtis family. Then my son, my son was 17. He had been on a 12 different countries, four different continents. He'd land surfed in Birmingham, England. <laughs> He rode, a he rode a camel in Morocco. <laughs> you don't get to do that. Most people don't even get to do that in a lifetime. My son was 17. He got to do all that. But folks, I'm going to say this. God took my son because, number one, he wasn't mine to begin with, Carl. He was God's. I gave my son back to Jesus when he was born, just like I did my daughter. Because God loans his children to us. Amen. They're not ours. We've been loaned His gifts. But number two, the reason why God took him, ladies, listen to me. God took my son because he's ready. He was ready. I can't imagine being a parent and knowing my son had been taken and he wasn't prepared for eternity. My son had been saved by the grace of God. When he was seven years of age, he trusted Christ. Does that make him, make him perfect? No, he was imperfect. He was my son. Of course he's imperfect. <laughs> Amen? Y'all can laugh right there. That's all right. He prayed with deacon's kids all his life. There's no way he could be perfect. He played with the deacon's kids all his life. No way he could be perfect. Sorry, deacons. Just picking on you. But you know what, folks? Only thing I can say is heaven sure is sweeter 
because he's there. Tyler made a statement and it it, it hit me because I do the same thing. I go into his room, see the pictures. I think about all the times we worked together. And you know, it does nothing but make a smile come across my face. You know, I hope my life, when I'm gone, Steve, will leave that type of legacy. And my tombstone ain't the only thing that's left. It's just a monument. I hope I leave a legacy to a people that need encouragement, to a people that need a smile put on their face when we go through tough times. I think we all need that, don't we? Amen? You can shake your head yes or do like this. Okay, this is all right. The reason I said all that was because I want you to know how much I love you as my Bethel family. You will never know what it meant for the Curtises to come over and to take part, not just to come and encourage us and support us, but your pastor to take part in Seth's homegoing. Seth wrote a song, wrote quite a few, but one of them he had recorded is pretty awesome. And the, basically the, the, the chorus of it says, Thank you, Jesus, for saving me silently. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me so I don't have to burn eternally. And you know, I, I, I know where my son's at. I hope and pray today that you don't leave this place with doubt in your mind of where you'd spend eternity. Because just as my son at 17 got in a car at 2.15 p.m. on March the 27th and kissed his mother goodbye and said, I'll see you, Dad, And 10 minutes later, I get a call from his phone from the mother of the girl driving the car. Just as much as all that was so surreal at the moment, it was like an out-of-body experience. Can I say this? I know that Seth never thought it would be the last time he'd walk out of our house. This may be the last day that you have here on the earth. Make sure you're prepared for eternity. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, look at verse number 10. I don't have a whole lot of time, but I want to be concise, be right to the point. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, look at verse number 10. This is an amazing chapter about death, and because we know the terror of the Lord or the the wrath of God to come to those that haven't trusted Christ, we persuade men. Now, I'm going to tell you, it'd be very, very hard-pressed for a preacher to, to try to reconcile every bit of that the sovereignty of God, free will of man, heaven, hell, all of that together, the love of God, the wrath of God. be hard to reconcile all of that, but I know this, God's good all the time. Amen? Amen. All the time, God is good. I don't question His goodness. I don't question His judgment because God is right. And the Scripture says, God who cannot lie, Titus chapter 1 verse 2. So I'm going to side on the side of God, and God can't lie, and God is right. So you know what? I'm going to let God be God and let me be me. All right? But I want to read a verse of Scripture to you that ought to arrest our souls, all right? We're talking about starting a week of meetings, all right? I don't want this to just be a meeting. I want this to be a movement of God. The only way it can be is if you'll allow God to speak to your heart. Now, I want you to look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. Look at verse number 10. It says, For we must all, under, underscore the word all if you've got a pen and, and, and you want to mark your Bible. You ought to underline the word all. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That everyone, kind of a 
contrast, isn't it? It says all, then every one. So it's talking about inclusive, everybody. Then it goes individually, and it says every one. That everyone may receive the things done in his body, according that to, to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad, whether it be worthy or worthless. Let me just go ahead and say this. I'm going to preach to you this morning on a message I've entitled, The Appointment You Will Not Miss. The Appointment You Will Not Miss. Since Eric's with us today, Eric's my, uh, my daughter's uh, boyfriend, and, and um, he went with us this past October on a revival meeting. And he's already starting to laugh because of the story I'm getting ready to tell. We're heading down the road. We, God's been good. I, you know, I, I don't believe in bucket lists or any of those things where you just put down things you wish for. And, but you know what? I, I did make a list of things, and my dad told me a dream is still a dream until you write it down. So I wrote down some things that I'd like to see God do in our life. And I've got about 10 of them. And this past year, God fulfilled two of them. Number one, we had been praying, Carl, for 18 years for God to give us a fifth wheel and a, and a dually a truck to pull it around the United States. God did that for us. He gave us a fifth wheel to travel in, 33-foot fifth wheel. My wife decorated it up like the Taj Mahal. I don't even feel like I can live in it. I can't even, you know, she says, oh, your shoes don't go there. I'm like, I'm standing in the corner like this in a trailer that I have purchased. God's given to me, and I'm like wanting to enjoy it, and I'm over here in the corner because I'm scared to touch anything. I mean, it literally, it is beautiful. God, God has been so good to us. But not only that, but we prayed that God would help us to start a camp, and we started the Bethel Camp, an uh, annual camp every summer, and we found a place that will house it, uh, that's got a chow hall and dorms and, and cabins and everything. It's a wonderful place, but God fulfilled that dream. And it's a second annual thing uh, that we'll, we'll start, and it goes every year. So I praise the Lord for that. But with our fifth wheel, we went on a trip this past October, and Eric went with us, and we pulled out of Bethel Baptist Church at Regalwood, North Carolina, about 1.30 to o'clock uh, on a Sunday, heading for Augusta, Georgia, which is about, Steve, three and a half hours away, so figure out the math. It's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I have a service at 6. That's four hours, and it's three and a half hours to drive. That means, you know what, we didn't make a lot of time for anything to happen, you know, in that four hours, if you wanted to prepare for that. You always need to prepare for the worst, expect the best. Amen? <laughs> So we're getting we're on down, going down the road, and all of a sudden, it had no sooner come out of my mouth because we had had a flat tire on our RV about a month before that. Now, went you know going to a, a revival meeting, and we had replaced that tire, and I, it just came out of my mouth, Gareth. I said the guy at the tire store said that it was very rare that you ever have a, a, a two flat tires within a three week period. Guess what? No sooner had it come out my mouth. Boof, and I looked in the rearview mirror, and there was a tire that had blown on the left side. Okay, we pull over. We start to change the tire, and, and Eric's over there, and we've got it jacked up, and he's getting ready to start. We're getting ready to jack it up. I'm trying to jack it up. He's breaking the lug nuts uh, loose. So as he's breaking the lug nuts loose, I'm jacking like this. Well, he breaks one loose, and he goes, wow, that was awful easy. It, it kind of was soft when it hit. Well, guess what it hit? It hit me right there. <laughs> The lug wrench hit me right there. And uh, I still love him, and we got along great after that, no problem. But, man, it did. It scuffed me up pretty bad. I was bleeding. I didn't even know it. I, was, I started bleeding. Well, we got that tire changed. Well, I was like, we're okay. We ought to be there by 10 minutes till 6. Guess what? Five minutes later, another tire blows. We don't have but one spare tire. We're in the middle of nowhere. I'm talking... Podunk, North Carolina, all right, or, or, or South Carolina. We're driving through a portion of a highway where there's not a there's not a petrol station or a truck stop within 20 miles. However, 
Thank God for Walmart. Amen. Y'all don't know about Walmart. Uh, yeah, it's probably going to be over here before long, but it's, you know, it's the, it's, it's humongous. I mean, yeah, it's a humongous place. You can go into a Walmart and get lost for a week and a half looking for a gallon of ice cream and a gallon of milk. I mean, you can get lost. But I, we found a Walmart that was about 25 miles away and we got the tires uh, fixed. However, I had to call the pastor and tell him that we weren't going to make the Sunday evening service. The only one that I've ever missed like that. You know what? I missed that appointment, but it wasn't, listen, it wasn't an accident. It was just one of those things that happens, you know? It wasn't I did it on purpose. It wasn't that I forgot it. I just missed that appointment. I missed that six o'clock meeting because of an unfortunate incident, but thank God, God kept us safe. Now, there have been times, I don't know about y'all, but there have been times when, Romani, I've had a engagement on the calendar, got it on my little, uh, you know, my little uh, handheld uh, calendar that I keep, and I've written it down, and for some reason or another, Steve, I don't look at that calendar as frequently as I ought to. And you know what? I took it out, and, and guess what? I missed lunch one time with a dear friend of mine. Three days after the fact, I figured it out that I, I missed lunch with him. I called him up, and he said, well, I was wondering where you was gone. I mean, you ain't called me for three days. I didn't know what happened. But I forgot that appointment. There may be times when you forget appointments with clients. You may forget appointments with uh, your teacher, your kids' teachers at school or something. But can I say this? There is coming an appointment that every single one of us as God's people will not miss. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. I want you to look at a few things. Now, there are a few words in the Greek language, and I'm not Greek, I don't even speak Greek. I took Greek, but I'm not Greek, all right? But there are a few Greek words for the word judgment. One of them is criterion, or we get our English word critique or uh, criteria from. There is going to be a standard by which you are judged. And by the way, have you ever heard this thing where the judgment seat of Christ is going to be this big party where we all get these crowns and it's just going to be, you know, hunky-dory and it's going to be hoopla? You know, I don't think it's going to be quite like that. I don't think it's going to be quite like that. Because, listen, the one word for judgment is criterion, but the word here for judgment is the Greek word bima, or bima seat. Basically, that was a raised platform where a, a person would put a, a laurel wreath on your head if you want an Olympic event. However, it also could be a raised position where a monarch or a king sat and executed judgment from his throne. The same word is used right here in, 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 in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Understand, folks, the location of this appointment. The location of this appointment. Where's it going to take place? Well, we all know this, and I'm just going to give you a refresher course. We all know that 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 says, For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. Now, all you dignified uh, British people along with the Brit you know, dignified American people and everything, you know what, if you don't feel like shouting, that's okay. It might not be your nature or your character. It might not be your personality. But let me tell you something. When you, listen, when you are raptured out of this place and you get a glorified body, I promise you, you're going to get a little Baptocostal the first time that you step foot, foot on the streets of gold. Amen. You're going to shout because if Lord Jesus Christ is shouting, I know we're going to be shouting. Amen. So it says, For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to what? Meet 
the Lord in the air. It literally means to a meeting with the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, that's the rapture of the church. Then there starts a seven-year period, which may seem like what we're in today. It does look like we're in the tribulation if you read the newspaper or look at the news, but we're not. Let me go ahead and tell you this. Any earthquake that you have seen up to this point, any volcano that you've seen erupt up to this point, any buildings that you've seen planes fly into up to this point is going to be nothing compared to what's going to happen in the seven-year tribulation. It is going to be hell on earth. There'll be hailstones hell the size of a talent. If you want to know more about what's going to happen, come next weekend. I'm going to talk to the young people about what in the world is going on. What in the world is going on? There'll be hailstones the size of a talent, 100 pounds apiece, fall out of heaven. Demon locusts will be released from the bottomless pit. They have a leader over them called Apollyon and Abaddon in the Hebrew and the Greek. They have, listen, listen, faces like men, hair like women, teeth like a lion, face like a, a man, tail like a scorpion. Their bodies is like horses and they have wings. That's the sound of rushing waters. 1,500 pound demon locusts flying around, stinging men by the space of five months, but man can't die. You know what I'm glad for? I'm glad I'm saved and going to heaven. Amen. Amen. Now that seven-year tribulation is going to take place. Then after that begins when Jesus Christ comes back with his church, with his army, that's us. When he comes back with us, starts the thousand-year reign of Christ, the millennial reign of Christ, and we will rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years here on the earth. You say, preacher, you really believe that? Yeah, because the Bible says it. <laughs> Amen. The Bible says we'll rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. That's not allegory. That's not mysticism. That is the truth. And you can bet your bottom dollar on it, or pound. Caught myself. But you say, preacher, why would you say all of that? Because the location of the appointment, the appointment you will not miss, the judgment seat of Christ. By the way, this judgment is not for salvation. It's not for sin. This judgment is about your service for Christ after you've been saved. Now listen to me. The location of the appointment, I believe, and I don't have time to go through it all, but I believe the location, Brother Panos, is right after the rapture, and we will stand before Jesus Christ, and we'll give an account, it says right here, to the things that we've done in our body. By the way, let me ask you a question. It says the things done in your body. How do you speak to your mom or dad? How do you speak to your spouse? How do you talk to your employee? How do you speak to people at uni or at college? Because guess what? Your mouth is a part of your body, and the way you speak is going to be judged. Hey, what you do with your hands, what you look at with your eyes, everything that you've done in your body will be judged and will be tested by fire, whether it be good or bad. You say, well, preacher, bad. I didn't think we were going to be judged on sin. The word bad there is a Greek word which doesn't mean bad. It doesn't mean like kakos, all right, like morally unethical or bad or evil. It means worthless. Can I ask you something? What you do for Jesus Christ, is it worthwhile? Or is it worthless? Now I'm going to tell you something. You can do a lot of things that seemingly on the surface may look worthwhile. You may have everybody fooled and have the wool pulled over everybody's eyes and you think, you know what, I give as much as anybody in the church. I do this and I clean more than anybody. I'm here and I do all the things at work days. You know what? Here's the thing about the judgment seat of Christ. It is not going to be judged on how, listen, how much you've done. It's going to be judged on why you did what you did. I've said this many times, Steve. Men see what we do. God sees why. 
See, men see what we do, Romani, but God sees why we do it. See, this is not a size judgment. This is a sort judgment. That's what it says over in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 9 through 13. It says this is a sort judgment because your works, after you've been saved, will be judged by fire of what sort they are. Now, I'm going to ask you all something. If we as God's people, now listen, I'm talking to God's people this morning. If you're not a child of God and you're an ain't, you can be a saint today. If you'll just put your, listen, your faith in the finished work of Calvary and you'll trust Jesus Christ, not church baptism, not church membership, not taking the Lord's Supper. If you'll just put your work, listen, your faith in the finished work of Christ, that's all it takes to get to heaven. Amen? Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy has He saved us. So folks, listen, this is about Christians. If you are a believer today, let me tell you something. You may not miss many appointments, and let me get, go ahead and encourage you that that's a real good thing if you'll try to keep your appointments. But if you miss one, it's okay. But there's one you won't miss. And it's called the judgment seat of Christ. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So the location of the judgment is, I believe, right after the rapture of the church, we'll all stand and give an account. And you know what? You're going to receive or lose reward based upon what you've done in your body after you've been saved. There's five crowns mentioned. Incorruptible crown. Crown of rejoicing. Crown of life. Crown of righteousness. Crown of, listen, a crown of glory. Listen, folks, we're looking at a soul winner's crown. We're looking at a shepherd's crown. We're looking at a steadfast crown. We're looking at a, a, a second coming crown. I want to ask you something. Are you really looking for the second coming of Christ? Or have you heard it so long that you just believe, you know what, he'll come whenever he wants to come. I really don't believe it'll be sometime in the near future. There is a crown given to anybody that loves his appearing and is looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something, folks. I believe that Jesus Christ could come so soon, you could inhale here and exhale in glory. And it could happen today. Before we even say the last amen, I believe Jesus could come back. But I want to ask you something. We've seen the location, but do you understand the Lord of the appointment? Who's going to be judging us at this appointment date? It won't be God. You say, well, who is it? It's Jesus Christ. We're going to be judged by none other than Jesus Christ. Turn to John chapter number 5, verse 22 very quickly. I ain't got a lot of time, but i got to move quickly. I'm almost done. And if you believe that, I've got some oceanfront property to say you're right in the middle of this country. John chapter number 5, look at verse 22. John chapter number 5 and verse number 22. Once you're there, say amen. All right, enough of you there. All right, for the Lord, for the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto thee, what? Son. Folks, can I say this? There will come a day, Acts chapter 17, Paul said, he hath committed unto him to judge everything. We will be judged by that man at that day. You're going to be judged by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Now, aren't you glad that God sees us through the eyes of his Son? He sees us through the blood of His Son. God looks at us and He can declare us righteous because we stand imputed. We stand declared righteous through the shed blood of our Savior. But guess what? Jesus sees us exactly the way we are. And one of these days at the great, listen, at the great white throne, we will watch people be executed judgment upon by God Himself. But it will be nobody in here that's accepted Christ. You will stand at the Bema seat and receive or lose reward. The Lord of the appointment. 
is none other than Jesus Christ. I want to ask you something, folks. I know he's known as the branch. I know he's known as the comforter. I know he's known as the lamb. Oh, listen, he's the lamb. Listen, he's the lamb of God which took away the sin of the world. I know that. But do we realize that he's still the lion of the tribe of Judah? I know he's a lamb, but do you understand he's coming in one day to execute judgment upon the saints to purge and to use fire. You know a fire, when, when there's a fire, Brother Steve, you know it has an amazing way of you reevaluating what's really important, what ain't. Yeah, I said ain't. What's really important, what it's not. Okay? When a fire happens, listen, if somebody gets out of the house that's on fire and all they get out is with themselves, there's a statement in America that people say he got out with nothing but his life. That's a pretty good thing, isn't it? Nothing but his life. You know what? That's what it says in 1 Corinthians 3, that when you stand before Jesus Christ one day, your works will be made manifest and judged, and they will be tried by fire, whether they be gold, silver, precious stone, or wood, hay, and stubble. Listen, if your works are... Listen, if the motive of your works is not worthy or worthwhile... They're going to be worthless like wood, hay, and stubble when the fire's put to it. Well, guess what happens? It's gone. And it says that there'll be people in that day that will be saved so as by fire. They'll be saved with nothing but their life. I don't know about you, but I don't want to have to stand before the God that saved me, before Jesus Christ, and not have anything to return to Him as reward. I want to make my life count for Him. And you know what's amazing to me, Pastor, is we don't realize that the test that we're going through right now is an open book test. We're not, listen, we don't have to study for this thing and not have anything to look at. God has given us an open book and we are going to give it, be given a test by. We are right now studying for an open book test. And why would we want to fail an open book test? The, listen, the, listen, the location of the appointment is right after the rapture. The Lord of the appointment is Jesus Christ. But let me tell you about the lesson of the appointment. What's the lesson of all of this? The lesson of all of it is we need to be prepared not just to be saved, but after we have been saved to be prepared. See, I, I, know, y'all don't, I know y'all know I don't speak the English language perfectly. What are y'all laughing about? I don't, I don't speak the English language perfectly. Let me tell you why. Because I didn't apply myself the way I should. When I was in the ninth grade, I failed English in the ninth grade. My teacher gave me grace enough to say, I will let you take summer school, and if you pass everything that you did the year, this prior year, if you pass it all, I'll give you, whether it's 100 or 105, She said, I will pass you with a 70.5. You'll just get through. Guess what? I took everything over, Steve, that I'd taken the year prior and probably made about a 95. But she gave me a 70.5 and I just got into the 10th grade by the skin of my teeth. If that don't make sense to you, that is a very, very, very small margin. The skin of your teeth. Let me ask you something. Some of us in this life are trying to get through it by the skin of our teeth. Just barely getting by. I don't want to have to get from earth to heaven by the skin of my teeth. 
Why would I want to just do that? Just do enough that when I get there to the beam of seat of Christ, that he looks at me and he says, well done, but there's no crowns for you. I want to give back to him as much as I can. Amen? So the lesson of all of this is this. Understand that men see what we do, but God sees why we do it. And the motivation ought to be this. What we do, it doesn't matter if we get a pat on the back, does it, Peter? It doesn't matter whether we get recognition. It don't matter whether we get a plaque on a, on a pew or on the back of a church or somebody... De- Listen, they put something in our honor. It doesn't matter because the only one that ought to get recognition is the thrice holy God of Israel, Jesus Christ Himself. Why do we do what we do? You can close your Bibles. I'm done with this. My son always told me, and I didn't believe him. I really didn't believe him because there were times, and y'all know this by experience, there were times when Seth didn't pay attention no more in the hill of beans. You remember there was about, what, six, eight years ago? Was it six, seven years ago where he was sitting right over here? He was dead asleep, dead asleep in the service. The audacity to fall asleep when your daddy's preaching. Knowing he must have not realized I'd do anything. Well, he don't know me too well, does he? Well, I remember I called him and woke him up. and It, it was kind of funny for us, not for him. But, you know, it, Seth told me probably about four years ago, he, I asked him going to camp. Uh, we went to a summer camp and Seth was going with us and it was down in, in Georgia. And I looked at him and I said, son, I said, I, I know you probably don't remember a lot I say because you hear me talk all the time. And I said, what's your favorite message that I preach? Do you have a favorite message I preach? And he said, yep. I said, what was it? He said, it's that lily work thing. Now, the reason I say that is because of what I'm getting ready to tell you, and I'm done. We're talking about the judgment seat of Christ. Why do we do what we do? I mean, do we, we do it that we may have a, a glory of men? Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, if you do it for that reason, you've got your reward here. You ain't got it in heaven. You might as well go ahead and receive the pat on the back and enjoy it here because you ain't getting nothing when you get to heaven. Now, Jesus didn't say I ain't. I did, though, okay? But my son said that lily work message was his favorite. There, there's a little hamburger joint. Um, little hamburger establishment that we go and eat lunch at every... Well, we used to every day, almost every day. And it's called Andy's. It's like a little grill. And they make cheap cheeseburgers and hamburgers. And man, I'm going to tell you what. It ain't good for you, but it sure is good. Yeah. And it ain't crazy how stuff that ain't good for you is the best tasting. I don't understand that, but anyway. Maybe that's the Lord's way. You know, God gives us one of the greatest pleasures in life is an appetite. Amen? That's one of the greatest pleasures in life is an appetite. But be careful what you crave. Amen? Be careful what you crave. But this, this, this hamburger place, um, we went there and Seth and I sat at the same booth every time we went. Same booth. Third one on the left as you walk in. We'd walk in, everybody knew him by name. He didn't even have to order, folks. And they knew exactly. They didn't even, he didn't even have to get a menu. They went ahead and put on the grill what he was going to eat. He, they knew him that well. He had ordered that that much. Monday, Wednesday, Friday was a Philly cheesesteak. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday was 20 wings. I'm not joking. He could eat 20 wings, four milkshakes, and three fries. Jesus truth. But let me say this. When he passed away, 
the manager came to me, Pastor Larry, and she said, we would like to put a picture of Seth in the restaurant right above where he sat. And I said, I'd be honored. That'd be great. It'd be something for us when we go in, we could sit right there and it'd be like he was right there with us. And I asked her, I said, why do you want to do that? She said, first of all, let me tell you, I want to put on there uh, that God has a master plan and, and, and Seth's already made it there. We're just going to meet him there. And she said, I want to put uh, under his picture the title, Andy's Angel. Now, anybody know my son, he ain't no angel. But anyway, but they said, I want to call him Andy's Angel. And I said, why? She said, I, I think you need to know this. Now, my son wasn't one that, 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 that talked a lot. He wasn't a very, unless you were with him for any length of time, now he could talk your ear off. But he wasn't one of these boisterous people. He didn't make a big scene, didn't make a big show. But she came to me and she said, we want to put that on his picture. And she said, the reason we want to is because you may not know this. She said, but for the last year, at least... Every time y'all came in here to eat, or any time he came without you, he would always either come to me or one of the waitresses and give me some money, and he would say, I want you to pay for that family's food back there that's at booth number six or booth number eight. And he would say, don't tell them that I did that. Just tell them it's taken care of. Do you know what I found out? That for, the, for a year... A straight solid year, my son did that almost every day, five days a week, excluding the weekends. No telling how much money he had paid for in meals. But you know what I think my son was doing? I think my son was preparing his heavenly portfolio. I think he was preparing his resume for heaven. Because see, folks, I believe this. It ain't what you do. It's really why you do it that's going to matter when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The song says, I wonder have I done my best for Jesus who died upon the cruel tree. To think of His great sacrifice at Calvary, I know the Lord expects the best from me. How many are the lost that I have lifted? How many are the chained I helped to free? I wonder have I done my best for Jesus when He has done so much for me. Can I say this, folks? There's no greater thing and no greater joy in the world to know that one of these days we're going to stand before Jesus Christ. It's a sobering thing, but it's an awesome thing to think about. The one that we've worshipped and sang, sang about all of our lives as Christians, we're going to stand before Him. And folks, this world ain't our home. If you're a Christian, this world's not your home. You are going home, though. Going home, I'm going home. There is nothing to hold me here. You see, I've caught a glimpse of that heavenly land. Praise God, I am going home. Every head bowed and every eye closed. There is an appointment you will not miss. Are you ready for that appointment? As Miss Shelley moves to the piano and begins to play for an invitation song, I want to ask a question before all of you. I wonder if you could say, Preacher, you know what? I am ready. I am ready and prepared for eternity.
There's not a shadow of a doubt in my mind if I took my last breath or a car hit me head on that I know that I'd be in heaven. I could raise my hand right now. I know I'm saved on my way to heaven. I could raise my hand right now. Once you put it up, you can put it down. God bless you. Thank you, friends. God bless you. Hey, are you here today and you're not sure? Can I say this, folks? Your life's but a vapor. You don't know if you've got a tomorrow. And I want to ask you a question. Are you prepared for eternity? If you're not, you need to make that preparation before it's eternally too late. If you're here today and you'd say, Preacher, I want you to pray that God, that God would save my soul. I'm not sure I'm going to go to heaven, but I want to go and I want you to pray for me. Is there anybody like that would just raise your hand up and then put it back down? I want to pray for you. Anybody like that? Anybody? Say, Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure, but I want to be and I want you to pray for me. Anybody like that? God bless you. Anybody else? I will not point you out, but I want to pray. Anybody else? God bless you. Thank you so much. I see the hand. Yes, you can put it down. Anybody else? All right, here's all you got to do. All you've got to do is ask, believe, confess, and it can be done. All you've got to do is ask the Lord to save you. Believe that He died for you. Confess your sins and know that He can cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's all you got to do. And you know what? The Lord Jesus Christ will come and take residence in your heart. That's all you got to do today. Hey, Christian, if you're here today, let me ask you a question. Are you ready for that appointment? That appointment is going to be something that's solidified on the calendar of God. You can, listen, you can't miss it. You won't miss it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. If you're here today and you need to take care of some business, there's some things in your life that you want to take care of before that judgment seat takes place. Today's the day. The accepted time is now. If you need to take care of business, you take care of that. Father, in Jesus' name, I love you. Thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for your word, the piercing of it. Thank you, Lord, that it's quick and powerful, and it can divide asunder the joints and the marrow and all of that, and it can pierce to the thoughts and the intents of our heart. God, I pray that you would just help us to be ready for that appointment date because it's coming, that we can hear you say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Lord, we'll love you and praise you for what you do in our lives because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.